Why don't we kind of get the introductions? So you are the content manager behind the game, correct? Yeah, my name is Greg and I'm the uh, community manager for Far From Home and specifically for Forever Skies. Gotcha. And so for you guys, how long has the studio been around? Kind of what's the background and development for you guys? The studio has been around for just over two years and we've been working on the game for pretty much most of that time as well. Me personally, like this is actually my first, uh, this is the first project I've actually worked on in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to this, I worked, um, I'm, I had a full-time job, but on top of that, I was doing uh, content creation, streaming, mm -hmm. etc. So I joined Far From Home just under a year ago. I've okay. uh, been working on it since then. Uh, the team, however, you know, as, as we've talked about it off air before, you know, they've got a, a lot of uh, AAA experiences, worked on think, games like, you know, Dying Light series, their Divinity series, the Medium, you know, and more plenty, lots of other games as well. But, you know, this, this, the, the guys, they, they've all worked together on many different projects, um, you know, shared very sort of similar, you know, we're friends as well as colleagues, you know, they shared many sort of similar passions and had the same kind of ideas on, on how they would like a studio to work. Yeah. And, you know, that same kind of passion for sort of coming out of their comfort zone and creating something unique and different that was kind of like the, the catalyst if you will the of, of, factor, the, of the studio yeah. yeah yeah exactly the studio coming together we the the studio was founded basically the middle of 2020 mm -hmm. like just as things started to happen really yeah um and the game like development really started started just maybe a little bit before that but yeah, um, it, it didn't necessarily affect us greatly because the plan was always that we were going to be working from home anyway, yeah. which we do. Well, I appreciate the irony that we all work from home and the studio is called Far From Home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of brought them together. And um, you know, it's it's somewhere that everyone's passion, everyone can show sort of everyone. If you have the passion, everyone can sort of influence the studio because we're kind of all same sort of level mm -hmm. we, have, we have titles but i mean it's like a it's like a flat structure there's no seniors or anything like that so yeah it really helps that everyone can sort of influence both the project and the studio if you if you show passion enough for it and you can actually make it into your ideas because i should make it to the game even a community manager even i i have ideas and you know they could make it to the game as well it's it's so uh, it's uh it's a very unique but it's also very fun, very passionate studio. They've been working on a couple of different AAAs, a couple large-scale, well-known AAA titles for a while before they kind of made this game. So, yeah, what's interesting right, for yeah. me is you, there's a lot of there's a difference between indie games and then AAA games. I wouldn't call this one an indie game. I think it's a little bit. I kept seeing the phrase AA game instead of AAA game when I was looking through the content for your game. But when you're looking at say like developing a AAA title versus an indie game versus exactly what Forever Skies is, kind of what's What's the difference for them when they're kind of transitioning into this new title as opposed to kind of those larger scale AAA games like Dying Light or things like that? I mean, yes, you are probably right. I mean, I mean Far From Home is, is an indie studio. Mm -hmm. It is an independent studio, but yeah, Forever Skies is being developed to sort of a, uh, an AA plus uh, premium indie mm -hmm. title, uh, you could say. So, like I said, the team have a lot of AAA experiences. So, you know, the you know, sort of the environments and standards that it's expected from that. And I guess again, it's sort of taking out what works with. Uh, sort of AAA development, they have that experience there. Uh, you know, the know-how both on the engine side and the gameplay side. Yeah. Uh, that helps. But then also, you obviously introduce what I spoke, you know, just touched upon before as well with 
a flat structure and sort of like Marion 2 is sort of getting a bit of best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. It kind of helps with the development of this kind of game. This game, when I'm looking through all the stuff for it, it's a survival game. Um, it's got this one base that you can customize, right? There's like yeah. all these, this, the world looks huge, two different parts within it that are completely different from what I can tell. So there's a lot of really, really unique things in this game that are all packed in there. There's a lot going on, so kind of for you guys, and obviously they have the experience, so they want to tackle a lot of different aspects, but was there ever, was it always like this or did it kind of grow? What was the ambition to put all of that into one game? Obviously with being sort of size driven. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, so- where, where, did, where did it all come from? Size, size and kind of just the different elements they're bringing in there. Cause usually, and this obviously, you know, they're a larger team. They're not just a solo indie developer that's making their first game, but usually with indie titles, they'll focus on like one thing, like it's a Metroidvania, but it's a survival game yeah. and that's it. You know, there's not a lot of crafting. There's not a lot of, you know, X or Y. It's just kind of keying in on like two things so they can do it and do it well and like execute and just get players really immersed in that. But for you guys, yeah. it's just like a lot of different other things that are all just kind of coming in there as well. So yeah, no, you're you're right. It is a it's quite an ambitious project, especially uh, for like say a team of twenty three individuals. It's it, it is an ambitious project, you know. And there are sort of a few different areas where it's come from. First of all, uh, just general love for survival games. Mm. Um, you know, we're big fans of games like Raft, Greenhouse, of Nautica, especially. So there's a lot of passion there, and that was always an idea that we did want to create our own survival game. The sort of ideas and the science behind it. It's uh, it's the main one is obviously is you're probably aware that most of the team actually live in Poland. They live in uh, Wrocław and uh, Krakow and a few other surrounding places. But, um, you know, for the last couple of years, you know, especially people living in Krakow, they've been getting texts coming through from uh, sort of official channels saying, you know, stay indoors, don't go outside, the air outside is toxic, keep your windows closed. And they've just sort of kind of it's kind of become the norm to them. You know, Krakow is, is amongst the most polluted cities in the entire world. Yeah. And there was even a quote that was in a, a local from a local scientist from the University of Krakow saying, if you wanted to breathe clean air in the city, you'd have to go over 100 meters high mm. to, to, to to breathe that clean air. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was things like that that made the team kind of go, this is probably something we, and by we, I mean humanity, uh, this is something we should probably tackle. And, you know, that idea of, uh, of clouds of smog, mm. you know, you need to go 100 meters in the air kind of gives the premise and the sort of dramatized look for in forever skies yeah. of you know like towers you know man-made huge man-made structures sticking out of these uh, green toxic clouds mm -hmm. obviously it's dramatized for video game purposes of course yeah. but um yeah that's sort of the ideas where they come from so it's about sort of like marrying the two really i guess this game you'd mentioned it's it's got a lot of science involved in it so how do you bring that into a game and how do you bring that into a game realistically like do you guys have a background in that kind of field did you kind of bring somebody in to help you out with it kind of what's what's the the background there how do they approach that one so i guess a, a lot of it is um you know regarding the science in the game as a whole is uh we look at some of our movies that sort of influenced us yeah. so get, uh, movies like uh, the martian with you know with the lead scientist um annihilation mm -hmm. uh there's another one that's on netflix called eo Return to Earth or something. I can't remember the exact name, but yeah. you know, it's looking how sort of like scientists how they tackle this. And in addition to that as well, we've uh, partnered sort of liaised with the scientists at the University of Krakow oh, cool. um, okay. that we speak to and ensure that the science is correct. And you know, once you've got those sort of facts in place, you're making the science as re as realistic as you possibly can in a video game. Yeah, it kind of makes everything else a little bit easier mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. Because you know, at least at least you've got at least you've got that sort of down. In regards to sort of the airship specifically, you know. Um, 
we try and keep that sort of there's got to be some creative liberties right yeah, yeah. Th there are absolutely some creative liberties but still the idea of sort of how physics work mm -hmm. you know how much weight you've got on your air on your airship will affect you know how it how fast it is or the altitude altitude that it can gain so we you know we try and keep it as realistic as we as we can but you know ultimately it is still a video game yeah. <laughs> so you know it, you, there are as you say creative liberties that you do take yeah is there a concern when you're creating a game that and i know survival games and, and games that implement science they're fairly popular like people do really enjoy them but for you guys mm. it almost felt like there was a lot of it almost felt like science had kind of gone up a notch where you're really implementing it into kind of every aspect of the world like you'd mentioned the ship there's the things going on on the surface of the world there's there's all these different little like little things that are going on that really key in on that so was there ever a worry that like hey we're kind of leaning into this too much people aren't going to find this fun it might almost be tedious or or was it just kind of something that you really felt people would enjoy you always you are kind of always going to uh, sort of uh as a team come together and say mm -hmm. is this going to be fun ultimately we're making the game for the players mm -hmm. so you have got to consider is this fun and a game that is probably leaning too heavily in the science probably isn't so yeah absolutely of course you you we want to keep create as realistically as possible from all different uh, points of the game you know whether that be above below the dust doing research when you're out explore, exploring when you're flying the airship yeah of course we want to try and apply it to all of these different sides of the video game but ultimately it's just a case of do you dial some things back in order to make it more fun? You know, there's uh, a lot of a part of the game is, you know, utilizing science to uh, create, you know, uh, cures for viruses. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a side that's uh, still being, like I say, still quite heavily in development. Mm -hmm. So it's not really something I can really talk about now exactly how it's going to work. You'd mentioned a couple games, but the game that I keyed in on when I was doing research for this one specifically for our interview was Subnautica. I saw a lot of right. parallels between this game and that game in terms of like how you craft, how you go about exploring the world, kind of the science element. There's there's a couple things you can kind of lean into. So for you guys, I guess, what are some things where you see like, hey, this is kind of a parallel to that? And I know I hate comparing one game to another game because it's not fair and it doesn't make sense, but just for like- It's, it's natural, we're all gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate, but you're right. So I guess, talk to me about what separates this game from that one, kind of what makes this game unique and separates it from, I guess, just any other crafting slash survival game out there. We obviously love Subnautica. It's uh, one of our biggest inspirations for our projects. We were, you know, went high from that, but you know, there are some similarities and, and differences to be found between both titles you know I mean right now our focus is purely on the gameplay because we're getting ready for early access and if I remember correctly when Subnautica was going through their through their time getting ready for early access you know there was a they were a lot more focused on the sort of like the narrative beats yeah. uh, during this phase whereas in our case you know we want to ensure that the gameplay is as strong as possible first uh, before we introduce any sort of al uh, narrative elements which will uh, come at a later date you know not to say that their gameplay wasn't for early access because it was but we're just we're going all in on that gameplay first and then we'll worry about introducing the narrative elements throughout but yeah you know gameplay is king uh, the other big difference I guess is the airship you have in Forever Skies you know in Subnautica uh, you have you know multiple static bases uh, you know whereas in our game you have one fully customizable mobile base which you can take around the entire world with you apart from uh, the under the dust section of the game which i'm sure we'll speak about yeah um but yeah there are you know so there are similar similarities to be found both um in, in both of our game loops as well you know eating drinking you know keeping yourself alive but yeah i, I guess key difference as well there is that we will also uh, be including up to four player co-op as well okay. at, uh, during the early access phase as well so i guess that's another difference but yeah you know it, subnautica is the one that people are uh, sort of making 
the most connections with. The other one is No Man's Sky, which I I can kind of understand, but it's not really. I was gonna say No Man's Sky doesn't really sound like it has that many parallels to me. But hey, I, I, no, I, I I don't think so as well. But you know, this is what you see in the YouTube comments, mm -hmm. in Steam comments, Reddit's. You know, uh, so a lot of people are making sort of parallels. But yeah, we're certainly a lot more lines with like say those three specific ones. I'd say Subnautica, Rat, and Green Hell okay. are probably our three biggest. Uh, influences. Gotcha. And yeah, we like No Man's Sky, it's cool, but it's not really a, a big influence here. I mean, you know, we're focusing on one specific planet here. Yeah. Very quickly, you'd mentioned Subnautica has those multiple static bases, right? Yeah. And in your game, you only have the one specific airship. So that was something that popped out for me as well. What kind of was the reasoning behind just making that one ship? Was it to kind of make it more challenging and to make more players have to be like more thoughtful when they're going about the world? Or was there ever maybe the concept where you're like hey we do do multiple ships or no was it always just that one it was always the idea we really was to always always go with the one i mean we've got to consider the the type of world work that we're in you know the uh, in this you know the players in the sky you know hundreds of meters in the air mm -hmm. going from island to island yeah um and so you know you know the it's basically it, it only really makes sense for you to have a flying vehicle and then when you take into consideration the subject matter in terms of sort of more green energy kind of thing you think what is probably the most eco-friendly way of, of of flying gotcha. and also and also the coolest in actually you know, so you, you naturally i think guess in in thinking about those you just go to the airship yeah so we we think airships are, are freaking awesome <laughs> And that that was the plan. I mean, we see the airship as like a second protagonist, okay. if you will. You have the scientist and you have the airship. So gotcha. we kind of want to emphasize on on that. So I guess finally, let's, well, not finally, because we're not even close to done. <laughs> but, so talk to me about the world itself, right? Because there's the two different sections of it. There's a surface where you're up in the sky and you have these, I guess you would say, like island skyscrapers you're going to, to yeah. one to the other yeah and then you have under the dust um like on the surface talk to me about that one in more detail because i i couldn't get a lot of detail on that one kind of how is that going to work how are players are going to traverse it just the difference between the two worlds kind of walk me through all that sure i mean well uh, if you can how? you're absolutely right <laughs> absolutely i mean yes you know we have got two distinct sort of uh two, two, it's like two, it's kind of like two games in one mm -hmm. i guess you could say so yes absolutely you are right and we've shown a lot about the book the world above the dust you know, it's fast. It's almost infinite because it, in its uh, procedural generation nature. Okay. You know, so you know you're very free to explore that area. You know, we've shown that this realm quite a lot actually in in our trailer. So people have seen a, a fair amount of this at the at this stage. Not all of it, obviously, but they've seen a fair amount. Mm. Um, you know, there, like you say, it's more about exploration, tackling dangers of the environment such as thunder, wind, viruses, drifting debris, which will damage your airship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the world under the dust. We're being yes, we are being quite sort of secretive about that at the minute. Mm. You know, we want to save, save some things for surprises. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 going to be very different in nature it's going to be probably a bit more of a, a linear focus um so uh, as you down there looking for you know pathogens and for whatever other reason you might be down there uh, you know facing against evolved mm -hmm. flora and fauna uh you know uh, humanity's lost its place at the top of top of the food chain on earth obviously humanity's not been on this planet for for some time now yeah. and in their absence other species have uh have, have risen to the top mm -hmm. and uh, that's what you're going to have to uh have to face into so down there you mentioned the the surface above the clouds is procedurally generated so i would yeah. imagine under the dust where your ground level that is not procedurally generated or is that as well it'll be a lot more static okay 
It's it's whereas you know there will be parts of the world above the dust which are static also when we get to, when we do introduce like the uh, sort of the more story beat mm-hmm. side of things. Okay. But yeah, the the world below is not procedurally generated in the same way as what the world above is. So when you're creating these two worlds that are they're linked but they're also very different. There's got to be a challenge from the development side of things where you're trying to meld these two together. And obviously, like you'd mentioned, they are kind of separate where you're not like zooming below the clouds and then coming right back up. So it's not like you have to have them necessarily side by side when you're doing development. But kind of what's the challenge when you're creating something like that that's so different from each other? I guess the challenge is just making sure it, it makes sense in the game loop and it, and, it, and it feels balanced ultimately. You know, you can't you can't just go in under the dust at any point. Yeah. You, the only way to access the surface by using what we call surface lifts which you did see a very short clip of towards not in the last trailer but the one we revealed before mm. at the uh, future game show back in goodness when was it now march mm. um so yeah we the, the the best way i guess for it to make for it, make it make it work is to clearly define the difference and the sort of the feel and the aesthetic of the of the two worlds yeah but they do make sense in the overall world and lore of the world because it's toxic down there you know you, you it's not it's not it's not somewhere that you really want to be yeah. so it if, when you do go down there it's uh you're gonna be in for a fun time <laughs> that's all i can say i can't really it's i can't really talk too much about under the dust level just yet okay with the elevators is that almost like a saving grace for developers where you don't necessarily have to create that transition between the two worlds you can use it as almost like a loading screen between them so you can kind of have that buffer I guess you've got to be careful you know a world of this size could be very taxing on the hardware having both above and below the dust levels yeah um, and also you don't want to overwhelm the player as well at the same time so it kind of gives you that freedom of having sections under the map are a lot easier to sort of render into in, into the over, overworld above dust level map rather than having the entire thing below the dust completely open yeah uh, you know, you know, if we were a team of sort of like five, six hundred uh, employees, this might be a little bit more, uh, a bit more feasible. Um, but for a team of twenty-three, um, no. the way that we've structured it makes sense for us, and it will also, like I say, it, it ultimately won't over, overwhelm the player. Yeah, you know, feeling that like they've got two full open world-sized maps that they need to explore because that's not necessarily going to be the case. Yeah, it keeps it more focused, almost like claustrophobic, where you have to focus on what's in front of you. So. I, do, I like it. I, yeah. I think it's really cool, yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, does this game, you mentioned different weather elements. So does the yes. game have dynamic weather? Does it have a day and night cycle? Kind of walk me through all that. Yeah, it, uh, it has both, yes. Yeah. So the weather's probably the biggest threat actually above the dust. Mm. So, um, one, well, certainly one of the biggest threats above the dust. You know, it's uh, unpredictable. Uh, it can lead to damage to your airship, which in turn will reduce its, uh, its, its altitude and just the way it performs for you in general. Mm. It can really slow you down. But yeah, there are also going to be uh, there is also a, a full day night cycle in the game uh, and that will come into the gameplay loop as well okay. um, I can't really talk to again too much about how it will mm-hmm. but there will be uh, certain uh, issues that you face with nighttime as well as daytime okay that you will have to find sort of ways to work around but yes uh, yes to both <laughs> The weather, I'd imagine that does transfer into like the dust below on the ground level. However, day and night cycle, I can't imagine that that would. Is it just kind of dark down there or is it just static in one one time of the day i guess you would call it kind of how's that going to work if you can talk about that what you mean you mean when you mean when you're underneath the dust yeah because like day and night cycle i'd imagine that kind of stops with that cloud level it wouldn't be realistic to kind of transfer it through or for you guys did it make sense to do that kind of how's that going to work well i mean at the minute it obviously makes a big difference above the dust obviously um but below the dust because of how thick the how thick the cloud cover is and the dust is yeah 
we're not really planning any uh, sort of effects that it will have on under the dust level because the, the sunlight literally just can't get down there yeah. anymore. Yeah, there are other, there are other, other methods for creating light, mm. but um, yeah, in terms of the sun, it's just very it's very hazy. There's it, there's very little sunlight that gets through. Gotcha. Because uh, we've we've got an element actually above the dust as well. We actually have a good a, a, there's a good element of vertical gameplay as well. Mm. And if you are quite low to the surface level, you've still got like clouds of green dust around you. And even then, like it's really quite hard to tell which direction the sun's coming from. Um, and I can't wait for players to actually get to see that actually for themselves when it comes to early access. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, it's not really going to have so much of an effect when you're under the dust. Okay. So you talked about the airship being kind of like the second protagonist in the game. So walk me through kind of what you can do with it in terms of customizability and custom customizing i don't know what i just said there in terms of customizability I yeah <laughs> i don't know in terms of customizing it and then like it serves as a home base it's a laboratory it's a workshop so there's there's a ton of different things that go into this so kind of walk, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah walk me through all that absolutely yeah there's like I say there's there's all kinds of customer customize customizability got me I'm rubbing it, off on you yeah okay <laughs> yeah you know there are, there are many there are many uses for the airship we're gonna avoid uh, that so one. yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> as you, you know as you collect resources you find different blueprints mm -hmm. um you know the more you do that the more you'll be able to expand your airship base okay uh, and create different types of modules for it so block modules ladder rooms uh, different shapes rooms like observed ob ob observatory decks and things like that um you know so you'll be able to create all different kinds when you find these blueprints uh, and then on top of that, you'll be able to find blueprints to create new machines, different external modules like outdoor steps or catwalks or railings, you know. And then on top of that as well, you can even add more balloons. You don't have to have just the one. If you want to create a really big mega base, you can add a few more balloons on top. No confirmation on exactly how many, what will be the total, mm. but you can add, definitely add more than one. On top of that as well, you can even expand the balloon sizes as well to create an even bigger base if, if, if you have the resources. Uh, but yeah, you're going to need all these spaces because you are going to need to make it could be the control room. There's going to be a bedroom, there's yeah. going to be kitchens. You know, the, you're going to create a, a workshop space. Um, it's on top of that, you know, also acts as your shelter. Uh, you know, there's going to be a laboratory space that you're going to want to be able to make to do your research. So you know, and you can and you can design this however you would like to. Mm. So if you want everything in one big open plan room, you go ahead. If you want it in separate rooms and put walls up and doors, do that as well. Do you want it on different levels? You can do that as well in every shape size. It's it's the customization options are are huge, and we and we we're really excited as well to see just some of the uh, some of the designs that you people like yourself, your content creators, and other people in our community on our Discord. We can't wait to see what people come up with. Mm -hmm. So. We've created a few fun shapes ourselves. I know in the studio, um, some days I spent I spent a good day just practicing with it. You know, as I create, you know, gifts or different assets to show the show the uh, show the community. Yep. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to make if you've got the if you've got the resources for it. You can really create some some cool stuff. Is it just like when you start out, it's just the one base room, like a laboratory or something? Kind of what's the base model you start off with? Well, I mean, this, it's difficult to say because at the minute, it's what we're using in development is basically just like one block module, but oh, that okay. might change. Gotcha. By the time early access comes around, we might maybe you maybe have two block modules. We don't know. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, we're still working. We're still working on that as we get ready, as we get our, as we get our uh, vertical slices ready. Yeah, it could change, but it's it is going to be very basic. Whatever you start with, it will be a very very basic module. Yeah. Okay. And then I have to ask, and you probably can't, but 
can you crash the ship in this game or no? Oh, yeah. If you're not looking where you're going, you will crash the ship and you will damage your airship. Yeah. And where, I mean, um, are you, do you mean like you can, can make it explode? I was going to say, can it like fully crash where it's ground level and you got to rebuild it or no? You want it to? I, I mean, hey, it's, it's <laughs> scientific, right? It's got to be realistic. But it's got to be realistic. I know I realistic, probably. So we would very much like people to try yeah. and let people see what happens when they try and float too low to the dust. Yeah. At the minute, it's. Uh, it's not possible, gotcha. but will it will it will it be possible by the time we come to uh, release? Mm. Maybe anything's possible, mm. right? Anything, gotcha. Yeah. So y- you talked about the story for a second, and you kind of were mentioning from the sound of it that the story is not really a big part of this game right now. So first off, can you kind of walk me through how much of a impact it has on the game, and then? If there is a story at this point, can you kind of walk me through what that story is? The story will be important to it. Mm. It's just that right now our focus is on early access, so we want to make sure that the gameplay is as fun as and and as and as great as possible. Gotcha. Okay. The story, the story behind the game is really important, and it's the main reason why we're doing this, as mm. we as we as we spoke about earlier. Um, but uh, we're not really talking about it too much. We're not really putting too much focus into it right now because. Like I say, we're not a, we're not a massive team, and we want to just make sure the gameplay is as fun for like I say for everyone as possible. Yeah. So um, it will come into it, and you know we have talked about the story a little bit on our Steam page, which you might have seen. Um, the the protagonist, the scientist that he plays, um, has returned to Earth following a global ecological disaster uh, in which humanity basically lost in the fight mm. and and left the planet. Uh, humanity still lived in sort of. Uh, colonies on, on 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 a space station but there is uh, an issue up there uh, where we need to cure um a certain virus that's uh, plaguing our family and so we have to return to earth to the source to find a cure mm-hmm. for that for that issue on the on the station so that's the reason why we're there that's the very sort of uh, the very basic premise of the story obviously there'll be a lot more to it but at the minute we're not saying an awful lot about the story at the minute. yeah i know you said players can self-infect themselves so Outside yeah. of that, talk to me about kind of the different gameplay elements within this game, how science impacts that kind of, is there going to be, I would imagine there's some kind of combat. I wouldn't imagine it's too major of an impact on the game itself, but kind of walk me through those different elements in this game. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is combat in the game. Mm. Uh, there's not a great amount of it. It's not the main focus. Um, it's certainly, it, it's certainly in there though. And it's uh, sort of, it, it does take a backseat. Ultimately, you know, you're playing as a scientist, yeah. you're not playing as a soldier. However, because of humanity's place on earth and how we've lost our place at the top, sometimes you will be forced into positions where you've got no choice mm. but to defend yourself. For your character, do you have like, and I'm a, this is a survival game, so I would imagine you don't, yeah. but is there like a leveling system? Is there a skills tree system for like certain crafting and scientist scientist elements or like, is it all good? No, please no finish off what you're saying. That was, that was really <laughs> it. I was probably just going to ramble for another minute. So go ahead. <laughs> Derry, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. Of that, honestly, I do ramble. <laughs> I'm terrible for it, but yeah, um, you are right in what you're saying actually, because yes, it's a survival game. So uh, the leveling and the improving that you do in the game is not necessarily so much to the player as it is more the equipment that you have mm-hmm. and what's available to you. Okay. Uh, so the, the better equipment you have, and we have different levels of certain equipments as well, uh, will improve how you perform in the game uh, and you basically create a system around you in terms of, you know, keep yourself sustained mm-hmm. with, you know, food, water. Um, so you will improve that way. And obviously there are, obviously, like I say, the elements. And, but again, it's more about sort of research, mm-hmm. like what you find out about certain diseases in the game and things like that okay. so but in terms of like actual skill trees or uh 
upgrades like that to the player itself, like better better aiming, things like that. We aren't we aren't putting focus in those things as much as we are the actual survival elements of the of the game. Gotcha. With the game itself, the obviously the things you make since it's a survival game. Most likely, yeah. I'm assuming that they'll break, they'll wear, kind of the weather, things like that will have an impact on them. So crafting has got to be a big part of this game. And then having that inventory at your ship has got to be a big part of this game as well. So kind of walk me through those two implements. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, it is a big part of the game. These challenges, you know, they get easier the more you play and mm. you find better equipment. Also upgrades for your tools, uh, upgrades for around your airship. Um, you will find these as you get further into the game. So the more you play, the, the better equipment you find. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it pretty much works that way. Yeah. You'd mentioned like where you guys are, okay. you get those warnings where like, you know, it's not safe to go outside because of the air you're breathing. Right. So for this game specifically, are you going to need like an oxygen tank or like something like that to breathe the air? Is that going to be a part of the game? Something that comes to mind for me is, uh, I can't think of it right now, but there's a game where like you would have to have your oxygen tank at all times. You'd have to put in oxygen pellets to like stay alive. Is that going to be something that's part of this game or no? Uh, it's not really something we can talk about. Mm -hmm. Again, the reason being is because it, this area is still very heavily in development, and uh, we're not really revealing too much about what's gonna what, what you get, what you can expect under the dust, other than what you can see on our Steam page. Okay. So um, there is absolutely there's a chance that could be part of the game loop, uh, but there's also a chance that it might not be. Let's move into co-op then. You'd mentioned there's yeah. four-player co-op potentially, correct? Yes, oh, correct. Okay. Yes. So with that, I guess before we kind of segue into the next part of that question, when you're playing as one person as opposed to four, there's got to be a big difference in terms of gameplay. So can you walk me through how you approach creating an experience for a four-player co-op as opposed to kind of a single player? I mean, just from like the airship alone to everything around you, there's got to be a lot of things that have to be changed i would imagine or no what you mean in terms of the, how the general gameplay loop works yeah exactly yeah uh yeah of course i mean you've got to balance it out we've been developing forever skies from the word go with co-op in mind mm -hmm. you know the single player experience is going to differ from the multiplayer experience you know you've got to make sure it's balanced and the way that you know the way that you control it in single player is is totally possible uh, and, and 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 works and works fine and plays how how, how it's supposed to, uh, but yeah, it's a case of you know making sure that anything that you find, research items, crafting items are sort of shared. Uh, it, the way it's it's looking like it's probably going to work mm. is a case of like you've got one one host of the session and everyone comes into your game, uh, you know, and that'll be that'll be one airship. Your whoever's the host is that's the airship that you're in. Okay. Um, yeah, it co co like I say co-op. Um, these kind of games, I think they're just designed for, with with co-op in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I think these for survival games, especially, it's generally a lot more fun with friends. Yeah. In our game, you know, you can have say you've you've got one, you've got one of your friends flying the airship, you've got two others uh, on the outside collecting resources. You know, with, with your heavy extractors on on the uh, on the decks there, mm -hmm. you can have another friend doing research at the lab. You can do all of those things. Like I say, you can do all those things just as one player. You know, you can set a course on your on your on your rudder, so they that'll take you in the direction that you want to fly in, mm -hmm. and then you can hop on and do some do, do some collecting whilst you whilst the uh, autopilot's flying itself. Okay. So we've thought about things, and like I said, the only the only place where we're sort of deciding where where we need to where we might need to fix issues is if, say, uh, you've got some troll trolley friends who are just going to leave you sort of abandoned on a platform and soft lock you on there. So that was going to be a <laughs> question, probably, yeah. If people that's probably one area, yeah, that's probably one area that we uh, are still sort of coming up with ideas for. Got but um, you know, co-op is still a long way, mm. it's not not a long long way, but it's still a fair way off. 
certainly further off than what actual early access for single player will be. Yeah. So, you know, there are time to iron out uh, those questions. Uh, it will be PVE strictly, so okay. player versus environment. Yeah. Uh, we've got no plans to include PvP because it's just simply not that kind of game. Yeah. Um, you know, however, however, you know, depending on feedback that we get from players, uh, you know, we may look to increase the amount of players per lobby, mm-hmm. or you know, we we might be introducing other modes further down the line. You know, we have got plans for throughout early access, and a lot of those plans will change, and they will also be influenced by the community and ideas that they have. You know, we've got ideas ourselves, and so we know roughly what's going to be what's going to be coming up. Yeah. Um, well, not roughly. We know what's going to be coming <laughs> up. Uh, but, you know, ideas change, and we're always willing to listen to ideas or suggestions from people, whether that, that be through our Discord, through YouTube comments, whichever. Um, so that will determine some of the plans, for sure. For a game like this, where you have the airship, all your teammates, your co-op buddies are all on that airship, for a multiplayer kind of aspect to the game, have you guys ever considered, like, where you have multiple people with multiple airships kind of on their own little islands going around the world in like an open world multiplayer or no that's too ambitious i'll, I'll revert to my previous answer again it yes is it that is a very ambitious idea mm-hmm. at the minute we're just sticking to up to four player co-op uh that is um that that is online co-op that that's not necessarily going to be couch co-op especially not for early access anyway yeah um so that is the plan for now and anything else again you know this is not just a sort of release the game and we'll move on. This yep. is a game, game and we'll support it for some time after. So, you know, I guess just never say never is probably the best thing to say that. Gotcha. <laughs> you were talking about early access. Do you guys have a date for that specifically yet or no? No, okay. we're just sticking to 2022 uh, for now. Um, it's still, you know, the, the, there's no plans to sort of change that yet or anything. We've got uh, play testing, which we are looking to obviously utilize soon with a uh, select amount of members mm-hmm. in our Discord. And we'll see how that goes. And then we will probably be looking to announce the release date. I imagine sometime around there. I didn't check and I should have. Is this game controller compatible or no? Yeah, we control compatible. Okay. <laughs> I guess one other thing for me, and again, I did check this, but I'm pulling a blank right now. You guys do have a publisher, correct? We're self-publishing, yeah. Okay. What are the- but We've got no, got no publishers down. I guess, so there is something interesting for me because coming from AAA where you strictly have publishers, what was the strategy in changing over to self-publishing? Because there's a lot of, I wouldn't say controversy, but I would say mixed opinions about getting a publisher versus self-publishing in the indie world. There's a lot of things that people discuss in that area where like, say, some publishers have potentially taken advantage of developers in certain aspects of areas in the industry or things like that. But I mean, kind of for you guys coming from AAA, coming from publishers, what was the reasoning to just self-publish? I guess it's just, um, I don't know how much you've read about uh, the studio from uh, from articles that have been out sort of prior to when we um, unveiled Forever Skies. Mm. But um, instead of going through sort of a more traditional publisher, we've uh, actually been uh, funded by, uh, I think it, it, it's the, uh, it's the, basically the Polish Stock Exchange. Okay. Um, so it's it's been a way of, us being able to actually develop our game into the vision that we wanted to yeah. without having the uh, pressure, well, not necessarily pressures, but like the sort of the typical constraints or restrictions that you would face um, with a publisher mm-hmm. getting involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
it's it's the way we've been doing it and it's 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 worked so far there's certainly positives to having a publisher uh, you know but there can also be negatives so it's it's just the way that we're currently working okay. and it's uh it's it's worked really well for us so far is that something you always had planned kind of getting from that the you said the yeah. Polish stock exchange correct yeah Polish stock exchange does- yeah, new connect that was always the plan uh, with uh, from the, from the, uh, our CEO where does that differ from getting a publisher how do you how would developers breaking it down from a developer's standpoint when they're looking at kind of getting their game published where does that even come in because i've that's the first time i've ever heard anything like that so it's kind of like a unique thing is it something that developers are doing more often now kind of it is a unique thing to do um but i think polish uh, video game development has like completely just blown up in the last couple of years you know there's like four like four 450 plus studios yeah like in in the country and you know that's that's a huge percentage increase from like only a couple of years ago okay and that's a lot of that is down to the sort of popularity of the more sort of well-known ips obviously you know the witcher dying light etc i was going to say because cdpr uh, is in poland correct yep cdpr yep. project there in poland as well mm-hmm. um and, you know, a lot of that popularity and it's it, a lot of studios have sort of come up in the last, say, the last couple of years. And I know that some of them have been doing it in, I, I believe some have been doing it this way as well. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's working for us. You know, it's, um, I don't, I, I, I personally don't know the ins and outs because that's not really a side that I cover. Yeah. Um, as a community manager, but um, you know, it's it's worked for us. Is all I can say. Do you guys have any team members from CDPR or no? Because I know they they lost a couple of members after they launched uh, Cyberpunk. No, we've got we've had a, there's no one at our studio who's worked on Cyberpunk. Okay. Or the or the Witch series actually for that matter. Okay. So. so for you specifically, you're a community manager. So this question kind of goes right towards you. With what is it? Sonic Frontiers. That's the game that got announced recently, right? Right. Okay. So with that yeah. game, there was a lot of controversy around the reveal behind it. And as a community manager, one of the interviews I saw with one of the developers behind that game, and I'm I wasn't planning on asking this question, so if you don't want to answer it, that's completely fine. But one of the developers was getting interviewed and I guess the interviewer was asking them how specifically they felt about fan reception to the trailer because people were saying, you know, it's, it's, this isn't Sonic. This doesn't, it looks like a cheap knockoff of, you know, I, I forget what games they're talking about, but it just didn't look like what people were anticipating it would look like. And I think the developer said something along the lines of that fans just don't get what we're trying to go for. And I think my thought process behind that was, as in all my infinite wisdom, but was that um, I'm sure you I'm sure you're very uh, sure you I'm sure you're very wisdomous. Oh, <laughs> so much, yeah. But I so guess much, I don't know. I guess my thought process behind that was with and obviously this is different, but with indie versus AAA. But I think with a AAA title. Isn't that the main focus of your marketing team to deliver exactly what this game experience is going to be prior to that trailer? So like almost for me, it felt like something that that shouldn't be the reasoning behind why people didn't get the game. And obviously for indie game, you don't have a marketing team, so you can't do that. But for a AAA title, it just felt kind of like a cheap cop out. And that's just my specific opinion. And obviously, if you don't want to answer this one, you don't have to. But kind of what's your thought on that? I mean, I think I think as developers, we we create games for the players Mm -hmm. and not for ourselves. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to necessarily knock on on what the developers of Sonic Frontiers did. Yeah. You know, that's 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 not really for me to comment on. Mm. I'm sure they had a. I'm sure they had a strong uh, marketing strategy. But you know, you can look at it both sides. Sonic. Um, you know, they obviously had uh, had a vision for how they wanted it to look. Mm. And and if players have every right to say no, that's not how we want our beloved characters to look. Then I think yeah, it, that is part. It's, it's, a, it's a judgment call the developers need to make. Like, should we go with our original vision, or should we listen to what people who are actually going to buy our game want? Yeah. So, like I say, it's not really. I mean, you know, we're we're an independent studio. Yeah. Create um, survival game. This is a triple A dev studio. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. IP, you know, so yeah. it's it's really hard to, to make the comparisons. But I guess from our perspective is, and it's part of our mission sta- mission statement is to create games with our players in mind. So that's just the way that we'll take it, and that's why we take in all feedback, whether that be uh, constructive mm-hmm. or, or positive. You know, we'll we'll take it all, and we have our own plans mm-hmm. and we have our own sort of schedule that we're working towards. Yeah. But if something really sticks out, like hey, dude, this is a good idea or this is a really good point, then we might absolutely change that accordingly. It hasn't happened yet, yeah. but if it did, uh, then, yeah, we are in a position where we'd say, hey, you know, they've, they've got, they've, they're making quite a good point here. Look at look at how many people are saying the same thing, you know? Yeah. So, But that's us about Forever Skies, not necessarily about... Uh, that's not really commentary on what's going on. I was, was going to say you masterfully pulled it back over to Forever Skies. It's very well done. <laughs> so this is not my first one. <laughs> yeah, um, I can see it. You're, you're doing beat. You're doing really good. A question again, kind of related. Or I guess it's more of a comment with a game like Frontiers, with a game like even a company from Poland, you guys with Cyberpunk. I feel like probably. With bigger AAA titles, it's almost a lose lose when you get to a certain point because there's so much hype behind your game. There's so much press behind your game. No matter what you push out at that point, people aren't going to, it's not, it's not going to satisfy everybody. And I think that's something that is really unique in the industry because AAA developers don't necessarily have to worry about that because it's something where when they push out a game, people are just happily, they're just happy to play the game. They're happy to experience it. I think there's more creative freedom on that end as opposed to AAA games. And I just think it's—I don't know. I think it's something that is almost damaging the industry over the last few years. Maybe it's giving a positive influence. I'm not sure, but where it just there's so much press and social media and influence on these games where no matter what you push out at this point, there's always going to be some backlash. There's always going to be some people that are trying to like change the game and, and, and put it down and troll on it. So, and I think it's a shame yeah. because with a game like cyberpunk specifically, I think it got destroyed because it got rushed because people were just so ready to play it and pushing so hard that I think maybe that's why that game got pushed out a year before it should have. And that's just, again, that's me rambling about games, but it's just one of those weird things in the industry where there's a lot of, I guess, politics and nuance that goes into the development side of things. And for you guys, I'm sure it's not something as specifically you have to worry about, but it, it's something that's just kind of overall in the industry is interesting to see. It is, yeah. It's, um, I think, I think you are, you know, you're sort of right in what you're saying. And when you're creating a game, whatever game it might be, whatever genre, whatever um, sort of USP target audience you're going for, whichever. You're not going to please everyone. Yeah, uh, that's just the that's just the simple rule of of humanity. It's, we're all different, mm-hmm. and you can't 
you, you can't look to please everyone, yeah. you know? So I think you've just got to, you've got to stick to your passion and, and, and your belief in your project and go, I mean, for example, like, you know, we've created, uh, we're, we're creating a, a first person uh, survival game, post-apocalyptic survival game uh, for early access. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, that's my jam. Mm. Definitely into that. There's good people who are going, oh, another survival game. Oh, it just looks like some Dotska. Oh, early access. No, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine. Look, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be here and try and sort of please everyone. Mm. Um, however, you know, we are very approachable. Most of us, myself and, and a few, and a lot of us, we're, we're very active on our Steam pages and people have got there with some constructive feedback, you know, we'll happily listen to it, you know, liaise with them. Mm. But there will also, People that will just jump in on an, I don't know, like an IGN YouTube uh, video of our trailer and say, "Oh, it's just another Subnautica or whatever," and mm. that's fine. That's that's their call. If they don't want to, if the, if they don't want to check us out and have a look properly yeah. at what the game is all about, then that that that's cool. I, I really hope you you would, because uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Mm. But you know, like I say, you just, you're not going to please everyone. Yeah. So the best thing to do really is just smile. Um, kill them with kindness if they do start, you know, sort of throwing comments towards mm. your direction, and just you know, smile, have a nice day, dude. Yep, yep. You mentioned you were you were a content creator, so as a yeah, con- I did that previously, yeah, yeah, before I became a community manager. So with content creation, I've always heard the saying like, never read your comments. And then for gaming industry, you have to read your comments. So it's like a double-edged sword where like you have to read it, but you also have to have that thicker skin where you can just read, see the constructive yeah. criticism, and move past everything else. So. Is it that- yeah, you do. I mean, I, like I say, I was, when I was a uh, when I did content creation, it, mm. it wasn't a huge audience. Uh, I don't think I, I didn't achieve the same sort of level as uh, as what your channels have got, Nick. Um, but you're being too you know, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, you didn't. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily reach that, but you still, even still, you know, you, I, I still like it, like a like a fool, like a fool, read my comments yep. because. You always, Even though you always let that one random guy ruin your day. Yeah, you've got. There's always gonna be one, but you know what? There will also be another one that says, "Hey, you should try doing this mm-hmm. or try that because you'll get this kind of result." And sometimes there might be actually something useful in there. Yeah. But I guess on top of that, as well, for me personally, I used to be a um, I used to be a, a retail. I used to be a store manager and a retail manager okay. for uh, like a DIY chain here in the UK. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like a. Kind of like home, is it Home Depot you've got over there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like that. Okay. And um, obviously uh, dealing with customers every day, you know, customer complaints and things like that, that sort of helped me develop a tougher skin for this job. Um, so I've kind of developed actually from my previous day job, which absolutely had nothing to do with games. So it kind of helped me. And to be, to, to be honest, like, it's not really been, you know, it's not, it's not really been anything too too bad mm. yet. Um, but yeah, I, I I take it and I, I read all, I read all pretty much all comments on all videos. Yep. All subreddits, um, and yeah, you. If, if there's people who actually have genuine good ideas there, or just things nice to say about the game, it's great to interact with those. And people who just, if they want to spend their time shouting on the internet, then cool, you know, let them go. I hope you, had, I hope you had fun, man. Yep, that's all it is for me. Just uh, it's, it's water off my back. Has constructive criticism from your Discord servers and, and from the kind of the comments on YouTube? Has that had a um, I don't know if I want to say major, but has it had a significant impact on the game itself? Or I know you said it's changed like things here and there, but has it had like a significant impact where it changes like more 
larger scale features in the game or is it just kind of focused on like the small details it's more yeah it's more the smaller details because ultimately you have got um a creative director mm. tomek has got a, a very clear vision for what this game is so you're not necessarily going to disrupt that by changing it into an airship versus airship pirates battle royale or something like that, is that something which is what want? some people might okay. want oh <laughs> that's you know some people you know some people have suggested that mm. which i think sounds really cool but it's maybe not be the the, uh, the best direction for rub sky so yeah. you know but the, yeah you know the point i'm making is that you know you have a clear direction but however there might be like oh you know you could use this tool for this and we've got that's not a bad idea we'll take that and we'll discuss it and any ideas that we do get and there'll be there'll be more of that on our discord as well regarding other sort of ways that people will be able to influence the project more of that will become apparent as we get close towards early access and throughout as well um but at the minute it's more a case for me is like collecting ideas um getting the best ones and and speaking to the rest of the devs saying hey what do you think about this um and then that will then go into um discussions and potentially could make it into the game and if that is the case then we'll be saying hey that idea came from mr x not mr x mr evil 2 that'd be weird (laughs) but yeah (laughs) you know just just, you know mr or mrs you know mrs whoever um so you know absolutely people can influence our project both us in the studio people in our community um but yeah we you know we'll we'll make sure anything that we do agree to is all within the right time frame it's not just going to completely change gotcha last question and then we're all done here um so in the in the gaming industry this is kind of the broad question i I leave it to the end because a lot of ways you can go with it in the industry okay. itself right now, there's a lot of really, really positive things going on. Obviously, you know, there's tons of exposure for developers. The indie development side of things is bigger than it's ever been. There's a lot yeah. of really exciting things to see in the industry right now. But there's always kind of that other side of that coin where there's going to be some other things that, and again, there's always nuance, but there's other things in the industry that could use some improvement. We'd mentioned, you know, with with publishers, there's elements there that some could see as needing improvement. There's crowdfunding with some projects, there's developers that kind of struggle to get that exposure because that market is so big. There's, you know, we'd mentioned trolls on the internet that really impact those projects, things like that. Um, and even for you guys, I guess for some, I, I would doubt that it's really a, a factor for you, but sometimes there's turmoil in the studio itself with development. So for you specifically, not even touching on your team or your game specifically, but in the industry as a whole, is there something you could see that could use improvement? Something that, you know, if if we could ever do this, it would change this way kind of something like that or i've got to say you uh you weren't kidding when you said that it's was a loaded question it's and a huge question yeah I know, I know. it's a big old question well we're gonna set the world to right in this interview right yeah. now uh, <laughs> we're gonna make it happen <laughs> here it's gonna happen right here this is the start this is right? yep you're here you're listening to this this is the start no um in, in all seriousness yeah you are right there's many different directions i guess you could go with that um, I guess for me, I mean, I've not really had a huge experience from sort of like the negative sides of mm. what happens in the industry. Yep. But obviously, as a gamer my entire life and someone who's been, who's actively kept their eye on the industry for, for, for many years now, the one thing that I guess you see is just sort of conditions in certain studios, you know, sort of there's, 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 toxi- there's toxicity out there. There's... Um, there's a lot of crunch out there. Mm. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of this and that. And it's 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 not it's it's not the best, and I've not personally experienced that. But like, look, hearing how bad things can be, both in a AAA and an indie space, um, 
it, it makes me thankful for the, sort of the way we are structured. You know, looking out from my own experience with Far From Home, yeah. you know, the well-being of your team is incredibly important. You know, we put a lot of effort to make sure that our people come first. Um, so, you know, we want everyone's work-life balance conditions to be fair by showing, you know, trust and uh, respect for everyone in the studio. Um, we, we are, we're very good, I feel, in that in that kind of area. You know, our structure is flat, like I said to you earlier on in the interview. Um, we don't have seniors at the studio. Of course, we have different titles, you know, CEO, directors, uh, yeah. programmers, yes, you know, everything we would expect to find, narrative designers. But, you know, of course, so we all have our different skill sets. But like I said, you know, everyone can influence the project on the studio, which is the most important thing. And most importantly, probably actually, is it gives everyone an opportunity to take responsibility. Like, you know, your passion for what it is you do. Um, it's created a culture of devs who are incredibly passionate about this project and about what we do. And, you know, everyone's sort of helping out in, di in different areas. So you might have like a programmer and an artist working on one side with a, with a game designer. And, yeah. you know, everything's, everything's flat. Everyone works the same level. And like I said, we, we've got, a, we've got sort of, we have a flexibility in our hours as well. So we can work the hours that we want to, as long as we do our contracts and hours in the week. Mm and we're available for you know calls and, and meetings we can you know our, our hours are, are pretty pretty well pretty fle as flexible as we possibly can be yeah um, and i think things like that it creates a passion of you know it creates that like i say that feeling of trust and a passion for the project that you're working on and i've, I've no doubt but hopefully we deliver really something great for, you, for yourself and for all players out there who are excited for Forever skies so i guess Ultimately, if I could improve it one way, I guess that would be it. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know if I, don't, I, don't know if I solved the problems there, but... It's a start. All I can, it's a start. All I can talk about, yeah, exactly. As my near one year as a dev, that's the best mm. sort of uh, answer that I could give, I think, at this stage. It's like from my own experiences, which have been overwhelmingly positive so far. With this game, what consoles is it going to be coming to, and uh, where is Early Access going to be found at? So early access is going to be on Steam only. Um, you'll find it on there. When we come to full release, that'll be on PC, Steam, uh, and also all the latest consoles. So um, we're not going to PS4 um, or previous Xbox generation. Okay. Um, it's latest consoles only. Switch or no? Uh, no. Okay. Not Switch. Gotcha. And it is controller compatible, so I'd imagine it's Steam Deck certified as well when it comes out. Uh, on terms of the Steam Deck, that's a great question. Uh, we'd very much like it to be there. That'd be really cool. Um, but no confirmation, really. Gotcha. Perfect. On that, just, just yet. Just yet.